the seven attributes of agile growth. We get that from um, uh, Rockefeller. Basically, he felt like that when he was building his companies back in the early 1900s, that any business, any industry, any geography didn't really matter, but they just had to master decisions around cash strategy, people and execution. If they did that, they would tend to be successful. We kind of look at that and we say, well, you know, maybe it's just a little more than that, right? In today's world, things have gotten a little more complex than then, but you know, he was, he was right on cash strategy, execution and people. There's also, um, you know, great companies today have to have great leaders, right? So that's, that's one area that we want to look at. And then another area would be systems uh, and, and processes, right? And, and then perhaps another area might be customers. So we really look at those seven areas as being, what are the decisions that a business owner needs to make in those um, seven areas to um, run a successful business. This week on the podcast, we have Patrick Frazier. He goes through the seven steps of successful businesses. Um, it's based off the Rockefeller habits of success, um, but he dives a little bit deeper into it and um, helps us understand what it truly means to have these seven steps be successful. Um, so we'll jump right in. All right. Well, welcome to the podcast, Patrick. We are so excited to have you here this morning. Um, do you want to give us a little bit of a background of who you are and how you got involved in your work? Yes, yes. Uh, so Patrick Crazier of the Coaching Authority, uh, about 14 years ago, 15 years ago, having um, a rich and long career with uh, a couple of great companies, American Airlines, TWA, United, and Citigroup, um, found myself with a career decision to um, uh, to either relocate my family or start something new. And starting something new led me to business consulting and coaching. And I really like the idea of business coaching, helping businesses and business owners solve business problems and develop their leaders in their organizations to help them achieve their, their goals and desired outcomes. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. That's sweet. And that's such an interesting background in airline industries. Um, did because of the whole airline, like, did you see problems in the airline industry that you wanted to fix? That's why you went into business consulting, or was it more just that was the path that you kind of found yourself on? Yeah, that's a great question. I have always enjoyed um, working with people and seeing potential in people and developing yeah. people and helping others succeed. And I also um, um, had a reputation for being able to solve problems and complex problems and to be able to, to um, take problems and make them simple for others to be able to understand and to weigh in and to be able to help to solve. And um, it was during that point in my life or that inflection point, we'll say, um, in my life, leaving corporate world and starting my own coaching practice, I realized um, a couple of important things I thought that were helpful for smaller businesses. Mm -hmm. My career up to that point had been um, uh, working with larger corporations, obviously, and the speed of the game seemed to, to, to be much faster um, for larger 
um, corporations and some of the smaller to mid-sized businesses were struggling with things that I seem to be able to see clearly or had the exposure or academic or work experience to be able to help them solve problems. And I heard an interesting statistic about that time that 96% of businesses just fail to grow. They fail to scale and leaving only 4% to effectively efficiently scale up. And that was cause for concern. And I wanted to do something to be able to help small and mid-sized businesses develop that growth roadmap so that they could stack the odds in their favor to be successful. And then um, just some of the things that we learned in larger corporations um, about execution disciplines, I found small and mid-sized businesses um, weren't applying some of the very simple um, um, elements of execution. In other words, they needed help clarifying what their priorities were. They needed um, some encouragement to, to uh, communicate those regularly. They needed accountability. They needed to measure uh, what was important to them. So all of these things I think that I took for granted in larger companies um, small and mid-sized businesses seem to struggle with. So I just felt a passion to be able to reach out and be able to help the little guy kind of run a successful business, scale up their business and be successful. Yeah, that's awesome. I love that. So my next question, which you kind of touched on a little bit is how, so those companies that are often small, they're struggling to scale, um, what are some of those pain points that you initially see when they um, come talk to you, um, come have a conversation with you, a breakthrough session, so to speak, in terms of like, are they struggling with um, like leadership skills? Are they struggling with um, simply just doing the right execution processes versus um, not having enough execution processes? What, it, what does that all look like? I mean, there's so much involved with that, but I'm yeah what i guess <laughs> that could be a whole conversation but yeah yeah it does kind of open up a lot of things that we can unpack there but what i've learned over the years is that you know small businesses entrepreneurs mid-sized businesses generally start out with you know a leader that's very passionate has a vision about building something bitter bigger better faster leaner meaner um and they start out with a lot of passion and over time they um the business grows up around them and it's almost like a monster that's got a hold of them and the business owns them they don't own the business and it becomes something that becomes uh, frustrating quite frankly for for businesses um and what i what i know is is that these are smart people, wicked smart people many times, and they've got a great idea and they've got a lot of passion and you just kind of wondered what happened. Well, if, if business owners and leaders have the right tools, right, that are simple, practical and easy to use and they know how to use those tools, right? Um, if they have good processes, right, that encourage collaboration and enable their employees, not disable or slow them down. If they have processes that allow them to 
leverage the collective intelligence of their organization, if they have processes to assess regularly, if they have a roadmap, if they have all of that, they, they tend to do very well, right? They tend to be one of the 4% that actually make it through all the barriers and constraints, obstacles of growing up their company. So, so here's what I know is, is that if you can just kind of boil it down into what are the key decisions or areas um, that they might need to know, what would that be? And that's where we start looking at the seven attributes of agile growth. So the pain points are usually the business isn't as growing quite as fast as they thought. Maybe it's not as much fun as it once was. Maybe cash flow is restricting their ability, <coughs> excuse me, their ability to uh, reinvest in the business or um, they're not liquid enough to grow um, or um, they've not done a very good job of uh, developing the talent around them. So there can be all kinds of constraints, but they're all um, easily uh, recognizable and they're uh, repairable or recoverable if you have processes around them and um, the right tool set. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Do you want to go into those seven attributes that you um, help them through that and just, I guess, give a brief understanding or um, or maybe just a quick overview of what that looks like? Yeah, yeah. The um, You know, I might start with just kind of a fly over what the seven attributes, that might be something that our listeners, it might be foreign to them, but I kind of look at the seven attributes of agile growth. We get that from um, uh, Rockefeller. Basically, he felt like that when he was building his companies back in the early 1900s, that any business, any industry, any geography didn't really matter, but they just had to master decisions around cash strategy, people and execution. If they did that, they would tend to be successful. We kind of look at that and we say, well, you know, maybe it's just a little more than that, right? In today's world, things have gotten a little more complex than then, but you know, he was, he was right on cash strategy, execution and people. There's also, um, you know, great companies today have to have great leaders, right? So that's, that's one area that we want to look at. And then another area would be systems uh, and, and processes, right? And, and then perhaps another area might be customers. So we really look at those seven areas as being, what are the decisions that a business owner needs to make in those um, seven areas to um, run a successful business. <clears throat> so I might start with leadership. John Maxwell says, you know, everything rises and falls on leadership. And I think that's just as true today as it was when he, when those words first rolled off the end of his tongue. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, you know, businesses today require great, healthy, um, aligned, authentic leaders. Yeah. Right? And there's lots of um, great um, subject matter experts um, out there today that would support that. Patrick Lencioni is one of my favorites. He talks about the five dysfunctions of a team. He talks about the ideal team player. And all those things that he talks about are really great for senior executive leaders and owners to understand how important it is to build trust, how important it is to navigate successfully through conflict, 
uh, how important it is to rally people to be committed to the same goals, accountability, focus on results. All of those things are important for our senior leaders to have. Kevin Lawrence in your Oxygen Mask First talks about the importance of great leaders to be resilient. It's tough out there. You know, it's a grind out there day in and day out. And the leader needs to be at fighting weight, right? Every time he comes out and he has to be the best version of himself or herself in order to lead his team effectively. <clears throat> Another favorite author is Liz Wiseman and talks about leadership and the importance of uh, being the multiplier, um, being the, the leader that brings out the very best in the people all around you. So there's great subject matter experts out there that really align around this, this thought of it all begins with great leadership, right? So we just have to make sure that our leaders are healthy, strong, and aligned. Yeah. So that would be one point, Kirsten. Um, the, uh, the second point might be strategy, right? Um, and again, there are lots of great thought leaders out there in the subject of strategy, and it's quite a broad um, area or attribute um, that we need to master. And there's a lot of things that we could talk on. We could spend a whole segment just talking about strategy. Mm -hmm. But here's what I know about strategy for small businesses and mid-sized businesses. If you can't say what your strategy is simply, then you simply don't understand it well enough and that is so important if we don't understand as leaders understand what our strategy is then how can we communicate it to others much less expect others to execute on that strategy yeah so um, strategy is is um, a lot of things it could be your your um, uh, what is it that you're going to what what is it that you're going to be unique in the world what is it that you're good at Who's your core customer? What are your, what's your core ideology, your values, and your purpose, right? And um, again, great, great authors and, uh, of our time and subject matter experts in this area. You know, Simon Sinek has some great things about strategy and, and why, right? You know, get to your why. Why do we exist? If we can understand that and get everybody focused and aligned and executing, on the why, then um, we have a greater chance of survival and, and not only just survival, but thriving in, in a crazy, uh, a crazy fast paced world. Mm -hmm. So <clears throat> absolutely. So I think uh, the third element would be, I, I would probably go with customer, right? You know, um, having a customer focused, customer centric, um, strategy and business and here's what I know about uh, customers as it relates to small business and and mid-sized business is that um, we we really haven't taken the time to uh, fully understand the customer life cycle and the customer journey right and how does that customer actually drive revenue growth right and um, you know, we're all in business for various reasons, but we're not going to be in business very long if we don't um, uh, run a business that generates profit. 
So we have to understand the connection between meeting the customer, understanding who our customer is, what's the problem to be solved, and how can we make that customer journey better so that they eventually become raving uh, customers, raving clients, advocates of who we are. They buy more product or service. They recommend us to others. And um, we have a solid um, customer net promoter score is what we would say. Again, there, there are many subject matter experts in this field, but you know we have to have a business that really understands our customer and the problem to be solved and what our brand promise is to that customer so that we can continue to, to, to grow. Incidentally, the, the customer net promoter score is a great indicator of your future success, right? Mm-hmm. So it's tightly correlated to your ability to, to, um, to scale. It's correlated to your ability to succeed. So um, we should take um, time and, and effort as required to collect, you know, how our customers are, um, uh, what their experience is, right? And would they enthusiastically recommend us to to others? So I think the customer um, <clears throat> attribute is one of the most important. Obviously, we got to have good, strong leaders, got to have a solid strategy, but then we've got to, we've got to really focus on who our customer is. Yeah, for sure. I As I mentioned, yeah, and then the fourth, and, and really I put this kind of in the center of the seven, is really execution. And the reason for that is is that um, I mentioned earlier that 96% of companies fail to scale and um, wondered why that is. And there was an article published um, by the Harvard Business Review that um, – that, um, discovered that 80% of those that failed was because of poor execution disciplines. So we have to execute. And then if you dig a little deeper and understand what is or what are those execution disciplines, um, there's really three that you can't lose sight of. One, what are your priorities? Two, how do you measure? What are the metrics against those priorities? And three, what are your communication rhythms? If you do those three things, right, um, then you're likely to you're likely to beat the odds, and and, and be one of the four percent that succeeds in scaling up, right? Yeah. So even if you have a bad strategy or you're not taking care of your customer, the funny thing is, is if you execute properly, <laughs> you're probably going to be successful, and that's really kind of interesting. Because it's so simple, Kirsten. Yeah. It's 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 you know, but but what where do we where do we miss on that? And that's businesses just need help clarifying what their priorities are sometimes and putting them down in writing. What's number one, number two, number three, and what's number one of three, right? And then to be able to say, okay, if those are your priorities, how do you measure against that, right? You can measure anything, right? in terms of effort or effectiveness or um, KPIs or OKRs or, or um, um, you can measure anything, but we just don't take the time to figure out what that measure is against that priority. And then the really simple one is, is communication, right? And things like daily huddles and, and gathering teams together at least once a week to solve 
the most complex uh, uh, bewitching problems maybe um, that we have in the organization. Um, having monthly uh, execution and planning uh, sessions with our management team and senior leaders, having quarterly um, strategic thinking, execution, planning, and education, and having annual planning, right? Those are just all part of this clock, right? You know, you just, it's a communication rhythm or a clock that you just kind of, that you just follow. So if you establish a rhythm, right, um, that helps. And I think if you look at um, priorities, metrics, and communication rhythms, again, those are the three things that make up execution. If you just if you just communicate on a regular basis, you almost always end up winning, right? And that's the exciting thing too. Is sometimes we think that we're so busy that we don't have time for another meeting. Well, that's because we probably aren't doing it right. We aren't running the meetings quite right, right? And nobody wants to go to a meeting where we waste somebody else's time or waste my time. Yeah. So it's a pretty simple process for having. Um, you know, effective huddles and effective problem solving meetings. Again, we could talk about that in another episode. Yeah. But um, execution is probably at the center of the four or of the, the seven attributes. Then I would move into cash, right? You know, cash is oxygen for small businesses and it can, you know, you run out of cash. It's kind of like Monopoly, right? You're, you're out of cash, you're, you're off, the, off the board, you know, out of the game, Yeah. right? And what's important there is, is that cash is, um, 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 you know, comes from, you know, running a profitable business, right? You know, um, you can have, we like to say, revenue is um, uh, vanity and profit is sanity, right? So we can really amp up our revenue numbers by just, selling a bunch of stuff but if we're not selling at the right margin right it can run us out of business so we have to be able to run a profitable business that keeps us um, um, uh, liquid right so with profitability creates liquidity and with liquidity it allows us to reinvest in the business allows us to expand and grow grow so that's really an important part of this our ability to scale up and grow our businesses right mm -hmm. And quite frankly, the lack of cash or the lack of ability to run a profitable business, right, um, is, is one of the things that really um, uh, small businesses struggle with, right? Almost always um, you talk to a small business owner in a growth phase, right, and they're saying, if I just had another $100,000, I could, you know, get a new building or a new piece of equipment or I could reinvest in the building into the business. So cash becomes one of those constraints that you really have to understand what your cash conversion cycle is. You really have to understand the levers of, of profitability and, and you really have to understand things like, um, uh, you know, how can we, how can we uh, build a business that's more valuable today than it was yesterday? And, it just it just requires putting those things under inspection and having discussion and bringing people together collaborating on um, um, leveraging the collective intelligence of your team because what I find in small businesses and medium-sized businesses is they're they're smart people 
right? They just haven't been asked the right questions mm -hmm. and they just haven't had the right time and space to focus on some of these problems, right? They're so busy building the next widget that they're not working on their business, right? And because of that, it becomes a grind. And after a while, they just say, I just wish I had my old job back, yeah. right? And, and, that, and that's sad because it doesn't need to be. When you have the right tools, you have the right process, you ask the right questions, you bring about clarity, right? You take right action and you get the right results. So um, I don't know um, um, uh, if is, is any questions that I have at this point, I'll just kind of close out. I've got a couple no. of other attributes. No, yeah. I'd love to hear all of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So um, I, I think the, the sixth area is people, right? I debated whether, you know, that should be number one or it should be, you know, farther down the line. But here's the thing, right? In a small business, you got to get the people stuff right. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, if if you're a small business owner, um, two or three employees, you hire you hire your fourth employee, boom. You know, um, now your business is um, uh, this new employee represents 25% of your business, right? So it can change culture. It can change the whole experience for. You know what it's like to work for your company it can change how you handle and deal with uh, suppliers and vendors and customers so you really got to get the people stuff right um, some of the some of us and, and this is really why I got into the business of coaching 14 and a half years ago is because I really felt drawn to, to develop the uh, leadership um, within an organization and develop people I seem to have a knack for um, seeing the potential in people and then helping people develop um, those um, skills um, necessary to achieve their desired outcomes. But the people stuff is really important. And here's what I know about, again, small businesses. A lot of times they just hire somebody because uh, they look good, they smell good, or, you know, it's a family member or just all kinds of strange reasons. So um, being a little more intentional about how you hire the right person? Is it a, uh, you know, do your values align, right, with the company or the owner values? That's so important. Yeah. You know, do they have a basic skill set? Are they willing to, to learn? Again, Lencioni talks about, you know, hiring somebody that's humble, hungry, and smart, and, and that's important. But then once you get past the hiring, what's the onboarding experience like? A lot of times when we hire somebody, we say, here you go, first in. Welcome, you know, welcome to ABC Company, and, uh, and then you uh, sit over in a cubicle because you don't have an I, you know, you don't have a login ID or you don't have a lap, you know, laptop and your phone isn't plugged in, and 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 they haven't taken the time to really prepare that. So your first day at work, you're saying, "Gosh, should I make a right decision? Right? Maybe I should have kept looking or stayed where I was at." Um, so our onboarding experiences for small and mid-sized businesses um, aren't always what they need to be to create that truly amazing employee experience because after all, they're going to be somebody that's going to help us get to where we want to go. The other thing is, is that small businesses um, tend to, um, you know, once, once you're in, right, they expect all your training and development to occur, kind of um, pick it up off the street sort of thing, right? Um, so we need to have a structured 
training and development um, program so that how can we build up the skills, talents, and abilities of our employees so that we can not only meet our customers or clients' needs today, but we can also skate to where the puck is going to be, right? Not where it's at today. So um, building into our employees the ability for us to succeed today, but succeed in the future as well. The, uh, the last area is, is um, um, companies tend to not do regular talent assessments, right? In other words, our, is each of our employees in the, uh, uh, are, they, are they productive in the role? And are they compliant with our company values, right? And Brad Smart, the author of Top Grading, talks about um, uh, assessing and evaluating um, our employees on a regular basis. And uh, what I find is, is that in companies, they tend to say, oh, yeah, 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 we do performance appraisals, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, it becomes more like um, something every year, every other year, they do. Um, one when they have time to do it which is is really crazy because they never really have time to it but then they finally make themselves have time to it and it becomes more like they're checking it off the list yeah. right so there's really not a a, a, um, a lot of thought into um, assessing our talent on a regular basis we encourage um, three four times a year to officially assess talent where are they at are they abc players and how are we going to stretch our A players? How are we going to coach and develop our B players and our C players? How are we going to warn them and coach them and discipline as necessary? You're taking time to really get the people stuff right. Because if you mess the people stuff up in a small company, it could really set you back for years and it can set you back for thousands of dollars that you've worked really hard to create some liquidity and you just lost it because you made some bad hiring uh, hiring decisions. So, um, so we have to we have to get the people stuff right. And then I would close the seventh attribute is systems, right? Um, I always think of systems back from my um, IT background, um, working for um, the airlines and then Citigroup too. But I learned an acronym for system. A system is it saves you stress, time, and money, right? In other words, when you have a system, right, it, 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 it allows you to move things through uh, efficiently and effectively and streamlined, right? And you can have systems for technology. You can have systems and process for HR. You can have systems and process for accounting. But I think the thing here, and we could talk a lot about systems, but you have to have a process, right? You have to have a process that's documented so that people can follow it, so that we can improve it and continuously improve it, so that we can make the customer experience better, so that we can increase the margin that increases liquidity and our ability to grow. And, and it becomes uh, a part, uh, just a part of who we are as a company. What are the systems that we have in place to produce whatever product or service that we uh, that we offer uh, the world today. So those are the seven, right? Um, uh, systems, people, cash, strategy, execution, leadership, and 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 um, 
and so on. So if you get the decisions in these seven areas right, um, you know, while there's no guarantees, but the odds are in your favor. And as a coach, that's what we do, right, is we want to help you stack the odds so that you can scale up successfully, right? And um, we want to give you that competitive advantage or that edge over um, everybody else that's in your space. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's awesome. Thank you for going through that, Patrick. That was helpful to clarify um, how your business runs and then how you help others for sure. For sure. Mm -hmm. Um, A question I did have about the people part. So you said a formal review every like three or four times a year. Would you recommend doing more, but just like a simple one-on-one every week or every other week, just so that the people can get that feedback, regardless of if it's a formal review or not? Yeah, absolutely. So um, what we recommend leadership teams do is, you know, three or four times a year, do that talent assessment, that top grading. You know, so if you've got a, a company, say 20, 25 individuals, basically take all 20 or 25 individuals and kind of put them on that grid of A, B, C, D player. So that happens kind of at your senior leadership level to where everybody understands um, where people are in this, in this grid, right? Because your strategy, your talent strategy is going to be different for your A players than it will be for your B players, right? For example, your A players, your strategy would be to give them stretch assignments allow them to mentor um, uh, a junior employee, um, to uh, allow them um, information to to be able to make some of the uh, input on some of the bigger decisions. Now your B player is somebody that's, that's, um, maybe they're not all the way up to speed uh, productive in their current position. Maybe they're recently promoted or recently recently hired into them, or maybe they're, um, kind of in that growth curve. So your strategy there is really around working um, to coach and develop the skills to, to give them what they need in order to succeed, right? So it's a little different for an A player than it is a B player. And then those uh, players that are, um, that are struggling with performance or uh, non-compliant with our values, right? That's a different conversation that we have with people, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you got to get the value stuff right. And you got to comply with our values. You got to, um, on a day in and day out basis, um, 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 kind of fly with the flock is what I say. So we have to have a conversation to say, look, this is who we are. This is our vision. These are our values. This is where we're going. And you have the ability to do that. We've seen that in the past. And when you do these things, it's not, you know, so it becomes more of a coaching and more of a warning type of session. So I say all that to say this, when you have those conversations, right, whether it be um, uh, quarterly or semi-annual, right, um, in in more of a formal setting, right, you're going to be talking about growth and development and, and that sort of thing. But you made a very interesting point. You said, how frequently should that happen? The reality is, is coaches, man, managers are coaches, right? And supervisors, team leaders are coaches, right? They need to have those conversations almost daily, right? They're having daily conversations with their employees about 
what's working, what's not working, what do you need to succeed in that sort of thing. Okay, so it's this relationship that we build with our employees that we're working towards something that's bigger and better for both of us. And you're an important part of that as an employee of this organization. So let's talk about that. Yeah. Okay, so there's the formal uh, senior leadership that does the talent assessment. The formal, the executive leadership has a strategy for what we're going to do for each one of those. But then at the manager and supervisor level, then those formal reviews can happen, happen quarterly, semi-annually, uh, absolutely annually. Um, but then there's the informal coaching sessions that occur on a daily basis and as needed. Right? Absolutely. absolutely. Thank you for that clarity. That's super helpful for, I'm sure, our listeners and me. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Patrick, for going through all that. Yeah. Yeah. So my um, pleasure. My pleasure. Yeah. Where would our listeners be able to find you? You are on LinkedIn, but do you have a website of some kind or any other place that they can find you at? Yeah. Um, a couple places. Uh, obviously on LinkedIn, you can find me out there, uh, Patrick Frazier. Um, you can check out my website at the uh, coachingauthority.com com or dot net coaching authority.net i'm sorry but probably the easiest way that people can uh, reach out to me is um i just find it hard for people to remember you know websites and and you know did i write it down right was it dot net or dot com and and all that so if you text um meet coach m-e-e-t coach c-o-a-c-h all one word to 31996 that'll open up my calendar and we can set up a 15 minute um um, no commitment just meet the coach sort of thing and i love meeting people either on the phone or nowadays zoom right um um, but um i just find that's a great way to kind of meet people wherever they're at you know because whether you're um, um a manager or supervisor at a large company, or whether you're an owner or an executive in a mid-sized company, or whether you're a small business entrepreneur, right? Our problems appear to be unique to each one of us, right? Um, and um, over the last 14, 15 years, I don't know how many times I've had um, somebody on the other end of the phone say, you know, you've probably never seen or heard anything like this, but what about this? And they'll go into their story. And as the story unravels, I realize, yeah, you know, actually I have, right? I've worked with over 100 different companies and, two and a half, 2,500 clients, as it turns out, through coaching and leadership development, that sort of thing. And yeah, I have seen it. So, so I just find that a 15-minute phone conversation with people, you get to know the person. You really get to understand the problem that has to be solved. And if I can help, I can help. If I can't, um, I'll tell them that. But I can usually either help them or help them find somebody that can um, help them solve their problem. So the other way is, is that if you're a listener and um, you say, gee, that sounds pretty interesting, the, the seven attributes, one of the things we recommend companies do is assess regularly, right? So I am offering a free seven attributes of agile growth checklist, right? It's an online three minute survey that kind of asks you some questions to kind of see where you're at on your, your growth journey. Right. Mm -hmm. And if you text, get a coach 
right? All one word to that same number, 31996. I'll send you a link. And all you have to do is click on the link and you can take it from your laptop or your iPhone or anywhere, right? So those are probably the easiest ways. And then you've got, you know, uh, my email, patrick.s.frazier at comcast.net. So um, pretty easy to get a hold of these days. Um, but uh, I think that, uh, you know, uh, you know, as we close, perhaps, you know, I've seen a lot in 14 and a half, 15 years as a coach. And I think I'm pretty good at solving, helping businesses solve problems, right? Particularly growth related problems, mm-hmm. right? It's, and, you know, in these times right now, it, it's not, um, it's not the time to go at it alone, right? So have a coach, have an advisor, have a mentor, have all three, you know, um, but, um, don't do it alone. You know, the winner in today's economy and today's market is is really a, are going to be the companies that have learned to adapt quickly, right? And act quickly, right? So they've got to be able to recognize, adapt, and act. So you got to be able to see the problem from all different ways, and you got to be able to come up with different possible solutions. And then you got to be able to pick the best solution that solves the problem. And then you solve that problem and then you get to move on to the next problem. Right. Never and, cycle. <laughs> um, it, it is a cycle. And the better you get at that, right. Right. The better your chances are for survival and actually thriving in this crazy wild economy that we have. Right. Mm-hmm. So the really the best way to do that is just to have uh, a field of advisors, right. And coaches and mentors. That's how companies are going to win. Yeah. I think so. Uh, I may not be able to, I, I love telling people, you know what, I may not be the guy that's going to be able to help you get whiter teeth, fresher breath, or world peace, but I am pretty good at helping businesses solve complex growth problems. Yeah. So awesome. that's what I do. Well, thank you so much, Patrick. This has been delightful, and I'm really happy that we got a chance to talk today. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure to be your guest. This podcast is proudly produced by Waypoint. What is Waypoint? Well, if you want to coach your team and not manage them, then Waypoint is worth checking out. Head over to waypointhq.com to learn more or email me directly, mike at waypointhq.com, and I'll demo it for you myself. Thanks for listening.